My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Miss Z's Storytelling. This podcast is about me reading short stories and fiction stories as well as non-fiction stories for all my listeners to enjoy. Thank you for listening to Miss Z's Storytelling. My name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I am going to be reading Heat, written by Geneva Holiday, author of Fever and Rude. Now, you remember how we ended that last um, part with Noah coming home and his house was all fucked up? So now we are about to get into what Chevy got to say and what Chevy's doing, and we're going to continue on for a little bit. Heat. Written by Geneva Holiday, narrated by Queen Zoya Counts. Chevy. Geneva, if you call me one more time to tell me about your fucking dinner, I ain't coming, I said, and snapped my cell phone closed. I leaned back into my office chair and cussed softly under my breath. That damn Geneva had called and emailed me about a hundred times about the party she had planned for Saturday, which was tomorrow. How many times does a sister need to be reminded? Besides, I had other shit on my mind, shit like Matangi. I saw her in the dining room today sitting at Andre's special table. I've been working for Andre for more than a year now, and I have never seen her in the dining room. Her table was like a damn shrine, separated off by red velvet ropes. The kitchen staff changed the flowers and tablecloth on a daily basis, and those employees who had never met Andra or who were so infatuated with her that they thought of her as a goddess could often be found standing near the velvet ropes, their eyes glazed as they used their cell phones to snap pictures of the table Andra never used. I didn't frank with the dining room. Shit, I couldn't afford it. But I popped in to get a $5 cup of yogurt and was caught off guard by the sound of Angie's husper laughter. When I looked up, Matangi and Andre were clinking champagne glasses. I stood there in a daze for a long moment. I was fucking Andre and had never been invited to the table. Now... I wasn't in love or no shit like that, but I had become accustomed to the fucking, and as I watched the two of them carry on as if they'd known each other for years, I began to feel as if the arrival of Latangi somehow meant the departure of Chevy. The sight of them ate at me all day long, and when I left work, it was all I could do not to pull out my cell phone, call Miss Andra up, and cuss her out. But that would be the actions of a strung out bitch and I am not one so I just let it be for the weekend I will tackle Miss Andra on Monday for now I had to get in back to Brooklyn and get Noah's house in order Geneva slipped up and told me that he was flying in from London in the morning so I still have plenty of time I knew something was wrong as soon as I pushed the door open because the scent that hit me was the fragrant bouquet of red currant candles. Damn, I thought to myself as I began to pull the door shut again. Noah's home. Noah. 
the last time I hit a woman, I was 15 years old, and Shaniqua Jenkins had mushed me in the face because I was sporting a wave Nupo, and she was still walking around with that tired, drippy-ass jerry curl that had eaten her hairline to nothing. And here I was now, on the brink of 40, getting ready to fuck Miss Drama up. I'd spotted her just as she was backing out of the driveway and caught her by the opening of her blouse, yanking her narrow ass back into the house. My intention was to hit her like a woman, an open palm smack right across that funny Valentine-looking face of hers. But she beat me to the punch and brought that crochet pocketbook that she carried down onto my head. I don't know what the fuck she had in that bag, but it felt like a paperweight and I saw stars. After that, it was on. I balled up my fist and swung, but that Chevy was quick and ducked before I could even make impact. We tussled with each other into the living room where I managed to throw her down onto the couch. I had her pinned, but she was fighting like a wildcat, and I had to jump off of her because she was trying to claw my face. Bitch, are you crazy? I yelled when I was finally able to catch my breath. Chevy had her fingers arched, ready to swipe. One leg was planted on the floor, the other dangled in midair, bit at the knee, poised to strike. She looked like one of those characters straight out of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Are you crazy? She hollered back. I spread my arms out at my sides. Look at my house, Chevy. Just look at it. How could you let my house come to this? Chevy's mouth opened and closed. That bitch had no excuse. I pointed to my fish tank. That's $2,000 worth of dead fish, Chevy. Chevy's eyes rolled towards the tank, then back to me. She remained quiet. Her silence just further infuriated me, and I took a quick step forward, ready to pounce again. Her leg came out, and the sole of her shoe connected with my stomach. I went flying backwards into the wall. My head made contact with the glass of my frame, Purple Rain movie poster. Crack. Before I could recover, Sheppy was up and out the door, her weave flying in the wind. And don't come back, bitch, I yelled as she double-timed it down the street. Geneva. I hadn't expected to get Noah on the phone. For some reason, I thought he was coming in the next day. I just wanted to leave him a reminder message about the party, so imagine my surprise when I heard Noah's British teamed. Hello? Noah, yeah, it's me, Geneva. Hey, Noah sounded stressed. Um, is everything okay? Now that that bitch is out of my house, it is. Chevy moved out? No, nah, she ran out. We had a fight. Well, it was bound to happen. A fight? Are you serious, Noah? As serious as a heart attack. I don't want her back in this house. I don't want her back on this block, he screeched. I truly didn't know what to say, so I just said, well, okay, but don't forget about the party. Before I could finish my sentence, Noah slammed the phone down. Whatever Chevy had done this time, it must have been bad. I dialed Crystal's number. It was just past seven, and she should have been home from work for at least an hour. Hello? Crystal's voice was groggy. Crystal, are you sleeping? I was. Didn't you work today? No. Are you sick? Sick and tired, she mumbled. What? No, just tired and needed a day off. Well, it seemed to me she'd been taking off plenty of days. Oh, um, have you heard from Chevy? No, Crystal began in a bored tone. 
what she do now? Well, I don't know, but I just spoke to Noah, and he says that they had a fight. I'm surprised it took so long. Are you sure you're okay? I ventured again. Yeah, just tired. I'll call you back later. No need. Just don't forget that the party starts at, I heard a soft click, and then the dial tone followed. I have been hung up on twice in less than 10 minutes. What the hell was going on? Chevy. Once I got on the street and down the block and around the corner and still didn't see any signs of Noah behind me, I knew I was safe. I looked a mess. Noah had ripped the entire front of my blouse, so my beaded La Perla bra was on show. Two young men made vulgar gestures with their crops as I hobbled along, clutching the material clothes. I had broken the heel of my left shoe in my haste to escape, and to make things worse, Noah had pulled my hair so hard that now one of my tracks was hanging. Damn him and his overblown temper. Had he been truthful about his arrival date, none of this would have happened. I would have had the house spick and span by the time he sashayed his faggoty ass through the door. Of course, the fish would have still been dead. I knew him, though. He was all mush in the middle, so I figured it would be safe to return in the morning. He'd be calm by then, and I could finagle my way back into his good graces and his home. But for tonight, I needed a place to stay. I thought briefly about walking down to the Aquaba mansion bedford studios union black owned bed and breakfast renting a room and chilling bed there but that would cost me i needed to crash somewhere for free i racked my brain for a minute i could call crystal but i certainly wasn't in, in the mood for a lecture geneva wasn't an option there was no way i was sleeping on her ratty couch in her tacky apartment in the projects no less then it hit me i had the key to anja's upper east side apartment it was friday night and as far as I knew, Andrew was spending the weekend at her home in Connecticut, leaving the apartment free and clear for me to use. I started towards the train station. Tomorrow would be a better day, and all this drama would be over. I was sitting on the A train feeling really good about myself when I was suddenly accosted by a stench so powerful, I felt as if I had been slapped. My head jerked on my neck and my hand came instinctively up to cover my nose. Slowly, my eyes rolled to the left. There beside me stood a bum, a homeless person, a sanitarium refugee left over from the Rockefeller release program. He was dressed in a moth-eaten orange and gray plaid woman's coat complete with rat fur cuffs and collar, and he was grinning down at me. His hair was a matted mixture of afro and dreadlocks, complete with bits of lint and ragtag yellow ribbon. Hello, he said, sneering. My mouth fell open and snapped closed again, and I took a quick inventory of the car, and from what I could see, there was no empty seats available, so I slid closer to the person next to me. Oh, you gonna act like you don't hear me talking to you? I felt laughter building in my throat, and <coughs> I coughed, trying to clear away the giggle. I chanced to glance at the face again. His expression was stone cold mean and my eyes dropped back down to my lap. I was beginning to shake. Don't ignore him. I'm a person too, you know, he jeered, charmed with the spittle. That was it for me. Get the fuck away from me, I hissed, pressing my hip bone deeper into the one of the man next to me. He promptly closed his Da Vinci Code paperback, stood and walked away. Oh, shit. The bum seized the opportunity and settled himself down beside me. He gingerly crossed his legs carefully, shaking the lapels off his beaten coat and patting what I was sure was his lice-ridden hair. 
I shook my head in disgust and wondered why it was fucked up. Things always seemed to happen to me. My fear was slowly being replaced with anger, and what I really wanted to do was cuss that man from head to toe and then take my pocketbook and slap him across the head with it a few times. He was a big man, but I was quick and agile and curious to see if those Tybo classes would pay off. Okay, what the hell is your problem? I turned and shouted into his face. I had to pull the crazy car before he did. The man's eyes popped in his head and then he arrowed. Problem? I have no problem. It seems you're the one with the problem. I said hello to you and you were too rude to respond. A woman, two men, and a teenage girl all stood in unison and walked towards the front of the car. I don't know who the hell you are, but I'm warning you. I have mace, I shrieked and began riffling through my pocketbook. In truth, all I had, had were keys, a half a pack of chewing gum, and a compact lipstick comb cell phone and wallet. In a flash, the bum snatched a bag from my hands, turned it over, and dumped the contents. I was stunned as I watched my stuff slide across the filthy floor. Things. Things. That's all you people care about, he bellowed. I turned astonished eyes back onto the man. A litany of cuss words coated my tongue, but I was so angry that all that would come out were gurgling sounds. All I wanted was a hello. I'm not garbage, you know. I'm a real person with real feelings. He well beating his fist dramatically against his chest. Just a hello. Is that too much to ask? I abruptly stood, careful not to turn my back to him as I stooped to collect my belongings. I used to have a home, a family, friends, he ran it on. And then my job was downsized. I lost my apartment and my family. Oh, in just three months, I was living on the street. I walked away from him down towards the conductor's booth. I willed the train to move at the spill of light. I needed to get away from this maniac. You, he bellowed, pointing a filthy finger at me. You too could end up like me, hungry, displaced, just wanting a hello. Not me, I screamed back at him as we pulled into the station and the doors parted. I stormed into the building right past the shocked doorman. Um, miss, excuse me, miss. He cried as he took off behind me, finally catching up with me at the bank of the elevators. What? I snarled, my hands on my hips. What? You don't know me now? I zoned on his name tag. Carl? Carl watched me with a stupid look on his face. It was clear he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm Anja's assistant, Chevy, I said as I jabbed impatiently at the elevator button. Carl pressed his index finger thoughtfully against his chin. Um, I'm nothing, Carl. Just go away, I ordered, waving him away with my finger. When the elevator door opened, I nearly knocked over two female teenagers, iPod earphones coming out of their heads like millennium-issued appendages. I bullied my way into the elevator before they could step off. Bitch, they shouted after me over their shoulders. Your mama! I replied as the door began to slowly close. All I wanted to do was take a hot shower and crawl into bed. The elevator door creaked open, and I stepped out onto the sixth floor. I pushed the key into the lock and turned, but nothing happened. 
I pulled the key from the lock in Xamity. Yep, this was the right one, the only red key I had on my key ring. I inserted it again and tried to turn it in the other direction, but nothing happened. I stood there staring blankly at the black door for a minute, trying to comprehend what was happening. After two more tries, I had to accept the truth. Anja had changed the fucking lock. I knew this had something to do with Latangi. I just knew it. I stormed out of the building, flipping the bird to the grinning doorman as I went. I didn't have any money. Well, not enough for a hotel, so I stormed down the street attempting to walk off my anger. It would be a while before the realization hit me that I had no place to go. Noah. It was nearly midnight when I finally got my house back to normal. The dead fish had been placed in plastic bags and thrown out into the garbage. My floors were swept and mopped clean. The linens on my bed changed, and I had even found the strength to hefty bag all of Chevy's belongings. After pouring a glass of wine, I dimmed the lights in my living room, put on my Selena Johnson CD, and sat down on the couch, propping up my feet and on my leather ottoman. I was home. Just as I was beginning to completely relax, the thumping banks of Kanye's West and Jamie Foxx's Gold Digger began to pound through my walls. I was annoyed, but figured the song was coming from one of those black Yukons the neighborhood drug dealers drove up and down the streets in. I told myself, this too shall pass, but it didn't. It just kept coming. My windows were shaking, the framed photographs on my walls were rattling, car alarms were going off, and my temper was about to follow. Jumping up from the couch, I ran to the front door, swung it open, and stepped outside. My head turned left, then right, and that's when I saw the problem. My new neighbors had set up six-foot-high speakers in their yard. There were four teenagers sitting on the front steps and five children playing tag around the speakers. My other neighbors had come out to look, too, but not one said a word. They just shook their heads in disgust and retreated back behind their doors. After a moment, a large black woman emerged from the house dressed in a pink bra top and a denim linen skirt. She looked like a poster child for bad taste. She had no business dressing like that. I laughed into my hand, <laughs> guessing that she weighed 300 pounds. Around her neck, she wore at least eight different gold chains, each holding three or more charms. The gold was cheap. I could tell from where I stood. I had an eye for precious metals. She had a slew of gold bangles on each wrist, and they made an annoying chinking sound when she raised her arm to guzzle the 40 she gripped in her fat hand. Hey, neighbor, she turned and hollered at me. I brought my hand up to block the glare. The top front row of her teeth were encased in platinum. Geneva. Yes, we'd finally been busted by my six-year-old Deka still couldn't look Charlie in the eye. Even though I explained to him a million times that Charlie was still just a child and wasn't quite sure what it was she witnessed. But Deka kept saying, Neva, she asked you why my pee-pee was in your kitty. I told Charlie that she'd seen wrong and that Deka and I was just playing a game of horsey. When she asked why we were naked, I told her that we'd gotten really hot and so we took our clothes off. When she asked if she could play next time, I just sent her to her room. I don't think she's traumatized by what she saw. In fact, I think she's already forgotten all about it. 
But just to be safe tonight, I sent Charlie down to my mother's house so that we could get as wild and as loud as we wanted to. We'd been watching Lackawanna Blues for the second time, and when I looked over at Dika, he was nodding. I nudged him in his side. Dika, wake up! Dika's eyelids fluttered, and he wiped at the spittle that was forming in the corners of his mouth. I'm yours, baby. He yawned, reaching for his glass of Pepsi, which had gone warm an hour ago. I'm just beat. I knew he was and tried not to complain, but damn, he'd walked through the door, pecked me on the cheek, and handed me the bag of Popeye's chicken before flopping down onto the couch, pushing his hand down into the waistband of his pants, and fixing his gaze on the television. Before long, he was out cold, leaving me the two drumsticks biscuits in the container of coleslaw all alone. I saved you a drumstick, baby, I said, wiping frantically at the grease around my mouth. I wanted so much to be ravaged by him tonight. Now nah, you go ahead and have it. I'm so tired I can't even chew. The alarms went off inside my head. If he was too tired to chew, then he was certainly too tired to do anything else. I nudged him again. Is Mr. Peter tired too? I said coyly as my hand slipped into his lap and then up to his crouch. Deka grunted, smiled, and then politely moved my hand. Yeah, I think so. I huffed. Hmm. Is this what my life had turned into? A Friday night in front of the television with the corona and a bag of chicken? Shit, I'd had that life before Dika came along. How come we don't go out anymore, I whined. Dika opened one bloodshot eye. Don't start, Neva, he warned. I folded my arms like a two-year-old. Why? I demanded. Geneva, you know I'm still trying to catch up on my rest. Do you think that month on the road was easy? It was tiring. I pouted. Stop being so dramatic, he said as he stood up and stretched and started towards the bathroom where he proceeded to take a loud piss with the door open. We were like an old married couple. Where had all the romance gone? Can't you close the goddamn door? I bellowed and then grabbed the remaining drumstick and took a huge bite out of it. Dika re-emerged, pulling up his zipper. Wash your hands, nasty, I ordered without looking at him. You keep talking to me like I'm one of your children, Dika chastised, and walked back into the bathroom where he washed his hands, returning to his seat beside me. He tried to pacify me by laying his head in my lap. Get off, I said, thumping his head with my forefinger and thumb. Oh, it's like that, huh? Dika turned and looked up at me. Yeah, it's like that, Negro, I retorted. Dika sighed, rolled his eyes, and sat up. So do you want me to leave? Of course I didn't want him to leave, but my mouth said, do what you want. I don't care. I was really regressing. Are you about to be on the rag or something? Fuck you, I shouted and shoved his head off my lap. In a split second, I was on my feet and across the floor. Dika sat on the couch, shaking his head in amazement. I'm out, girl, he mumbled and pulled his six-foot frame to a standing position. I'll see you tomorrow. I watched him walk out the door and put his hands on the knob. He threw one last look over his shoulder that said, last chance, I sucked my teeth and turned my head away. Wow. You know, what y'all think? I, I, got a, I got a funny suspicion about what got her all caught up in her mood. I believe that it's some damn pills, but you know what? 
we gonna keep reading and seeing because this is my first time reading the book too so i'm all engrossed in the characters my name is queen zoia counts and i would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast miss z's storytelling peace